Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, besides a giant asshole, how are you? It's all good. Uh, I, you know, I don't think there's anybody in the world besides me who appreciates my fade work. That was my best yet. I had, I oh man, we, we work in tandem though. Just start it over again and go in and listen to that fade. It, it that is, uh, listen, you guys, if you're listening for free, God bless you. But that was you're really getting a lot. That's a little, you're getting your money's worth here for those patrons <laughs> out there. That's what you're paying for. Yeah. You're paying for Everett's finger gliding fade ability. <laughs> you you may have noticed we've moved the studio to an airport hangar. Uh, yes, audio is a little different. It is, and not much changed in here. It, you took two things out of this room, and all of a sudden, it's just a... It's an echo chamber. It's an echo chamber, yeah. It's okay. You know, I, I, this has happened before where I thought on the on the headphones, I was like, ah, it's a little... And, and then I listened to it in post, and I was like, ah, it's fine. Yeah, it, uh, the post-production cleans it up. All right. It's a richer, fuller sound. But I'm doing really well. It's Tuesday night. I just got done with a baseball game. I, did you play? I, I did. I well, I was third base coach. Nice. And I counted pitches. How many pitches? Lots. <laughs> <laughs> I counted lots and lots of pitches. Uh, yeah. So just, I mean, it's like spring. It's like it's real spring. Real spring. Sunny. It's like you could smell grass when we got to the baseball field. It was Ooh. like as sunflower seeds. It's like all right, here we go. That's that's it. Here we go. That's the stuff. Yeah. My son had a uh, my son had an RBI. West had an RBI and scored. Got got walked, uh, struck out swinging, and then an RBI fielder's choice line drive. But yeah, man, shoot, it was a good game. You still made made impact with the ball. Made impact with the ball. Yeah, got, got that contact. Andrew, how are you? I am good. I accidentally took a nap just a little bit ago. Um, so I'm a little concerned I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight, but other than that, I'm good. Like I'm energized. I'm feeling refreshed. I just woke up. So I'm good. You you don't have sleepy face. Sometimes I'll come over and you'll still have sleepy face. I don't think I slept that long. I think I, I slept just, I mean, I slept too much, right? A person should not be going to sleep at 8 PM if they intend to sleep again that night. Yeah, that's maybe true. So I don't know. We'll see how it works out, but uh, I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling ready to go. I'm excited to be talking about watches. Ah, I forgot to get my other thing. Uh, I'll I'll get it later. You 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 like purchased another thing, and you brought it for me to look at. Yeah, to touch with my hands. Yeah. Heck yeah, I'm pumped. Should be. <laughs> I'm pumped. I had I had bigger plans. They just didn't. They they just kind of fell through the cracks. Yeah. But, uh, well, you know this this is just a little teaser for what we got going uh, soonish. So, oh, oh. so so for now. But today uh, we're talking about watches. We are. I could tell. I could tell you wanted me to say that. I I don't. I feel uncomfortable saying it because it's what you say. <laughs> it's your role here. <laughs> I'm the one who pushes things along. We're talking about watches. Andrew, this is a uh this is an episode that was completely from from uh soup to nuts concocted by you. Mm-hmm. I say I don't I'm not saying that as a you warning like to it's anybody. Unusual. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh yeah, well I mean oftentimes uh you'll come up with the concept and we'll rap on it and we'll sort of uh, you, you you know, tune it up, or or sometimes you'll come up with a concept, and then we'll both like independently put together aspects of the show. But basically, this this was like I said, soup to nuts. This is all you. Yeah. What does soup to nuts mean? What's the etymology of that phrase? I I, I ask you as if you know. I, you know, I I don't know. Yeah. When I hear soup to nuts, I usually assume you eat it. And then you poop it. <laughs> Let's move on. 
let's move on. Uh, We're just going to move right along. Nuts to soup would make more sense because it's like you gather the nut, then you make it out, then you make a soup from said nuts. A nut soup. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that's a thing. Oh, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, soup to nut. I don't know. How about we move on? No, I kind of like this. (laughs) Uh, Let's spitball on that. Oh boy! So today we're talking about uh, how would you characterize this? This is, I think, one of my favorite types of episodes that we do, where we get this kind of interesting thing in the watch world, and we just wonder about it. We opine wildly, give hot takes. And discuss uh, an issue that maybe is or isn't an issue. So today, we are going to talk about the world, the subcategory in the watch industry of big idea homages. And I think this, I think homage is unique, is is much different than other categories we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about homages. We talk about replicas, counterfeits, mods, reissues, and how those things all kind of fit and play together. So exactly what I wrote to you. Some things. So, so some things like Islander, Uncle Seiko, the zombie brands that use new old stock. Dan Henry. So that's the scope kind of of what we're talking about. We're talking about this world of what of, of homages, right? Because they all kind of fall under that umbrella. Things like Islander, Uncle Seiko with his modded Seikos, Dan Henry, and and take your pick of 10 billion brands out there. Well, sh- sure. Who, We've got brands like pseudo replicas, steel dive and Mercur, mm-hmm. these Chinese factory brands that are making really pr- pretty amazing, you, you know, middle level watches for, for oftentimes very few shekels. Yes. Next to nothing. But I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about what these, what role these things play in the watch industry. And and first and foremost, I think I wanted to talk about an homage and make a clear delineation between an homage and all of those other things. I think an homage is a much bigger idea than any one of these other things encapsulate. Right? A replica is a replica. That's not an homage. A, I, and I think Islander is, is really interesting in that they do kind of a mod. I think it's, it's fair to say maybe an upgraded version of some of some really iconic watches. That's a thing. Uncle Seiko does a straight mod and sells it under a under the original branding. Dan Henry uh, sells it under his branding, but uses historical references to basically remake something. We have zombie brands who reissue with either new old stock or they reissue things just newly made. But I don't think those are homages. Yeah, well, let's let, let's. Uh, so we've talked about this on the on the show before. There's the there's the literal definition of homage, and then there's the the way we've appropriated that term in the watch industry. So, uh, just just I'm gonna from dictionary.com, respect or reverence paid or rendered. It's a noun. <laughs> respect or reverence paid or rendered. Uh, something done or given in acknowledgement or consideration of the worth of another. So this term is a lot broader than the context in which we most often use it. I think when we talk about an homage in the watch industry, oftentimes we're talking about something that is very closely formulated to resemble another watch. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. a watch that's out of production 
or, you, you know, Dan Henry is a perfect example. Dan Henry makes these watches that we refer to as homages, and certainly they are, to these classic out-of-production watches, or, or sometimes even a category of watch for Dan Henry. Um, but certainly, like, with the Dan Henry 1972, that is... Short of being one-to-one, that is a very close approximation of the Porsche Orfina right. Top Gun watch, right? So w- when we say, oh, it's an o- this is an homage to that, that is a Seamaster 300 homage. That is a Submariner homage. Genault is is a brand that, you, you, you know, they're making watches that are as close to the real thing as you can get. And and that's even prized. Like, oh, well, that's so good because it's so close to the original. I disagree with that as an homage. Well, you, you but you don't disagree with, with the point I'm making that no. that is how we use the, watch, no. the term homage in Correct. the watch industry. And I, and I think we use it incorrectly, much like the way we use flagship incorrectly. I think it's wrong. I, I'm so excited that this is out now. <clears throat> yeah, so we're drinking Elysian, which is a fantastic brewery, Northwest Brewery. Uh, the Super Fuzz, the Blood Orange Pale, which is a really good beer. It's their summer, seasonal. It's delightful. It is not an IPA, which mm-hmm. I'm a fan of. It's a little less hoppy, but certainly still big and bright. And It's all that blood orange in there. Yeah, I love it. I'm a huge fan of this beer. Me too. Uh, they have instructions on the pack that I got to make a fuzz duster, which mm-hmm. is half space dust and half super fuzz. Okay. And blending beers, strange to me, uh, but I've done it, and it's a delightful beer. You, you know, if you've ever been to Oregon, you may have been to a uh, McMinimins, a McMinimins. Uh, what do we call them? They're not restaurants necessarily. Sometimes they are, but tap houses, brew yeah. pubs, venues. Yeah. So McMinimins is sort of a famous beer company in Oregon and they've been making the same nice. five or six beers yeah. for 40 years. And they were kind of one of the original micro breweries and, and they've never really messed with the formula and they make good beers. But one of their things is to mix beers. They've got a Terminator stout that they mix with things. And so you can order just on draft a number of mixed beers from it. And that's what it makes me think of mm-hmm. the Ruby, the Ruby on the river in the middle of summer <laughs> is just so good. Yeah. They make a grapefruit. It's not a shandy, but it's like a grapefruit summer ale. And it's, yeah. we have, we have one of their uh, tap houses here in town, right on the river. That is like Cajun tots and a Ruby. Yep. Looking at the river in the middle of the day. Magical. Back on topic. Here's my opinion on an homage. We in the watch world use it wrong. I think I think we should be reserving the term homage for designs that can stand on their own, but that are inspired by something else. Um, yeah, because I think sometimes homage gets used as a dirty word. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be a dirty word. Homage should be something that is powerful and respectful and enjoyable. And and I think sometimes we say, "Oh, it's an homage watch," as a pejorative. Well, I think it's because we're we're replacing the word replica or recreation or or theft with homage. There's a ten billion iterations of the sub out there. You can't look at any one of them and say that's an homage. No, that's just a sub. That's a copy of an iconic design. Oh, cool. You changed the marker a little bit. It's it's not an homage. It's the same watch. I also understand that there are physically only so many shapes that can go into a watch and still be attractive. But a subcopy is a subcopy. I like many of them, but they're not homages to the sub. They're a copy of the sub, yeah. which is smart. That's I'm, I'm not saying copy in, in even a derogatory sense. You should do the thing that is the most popular. That's smart. 
if if Henry Ford is running a production line of cars out the door, I'm not. I I don't think that companies should attempt square wheels. Sure. Or or upgrading the wagon. Like no no no. This is the this is the best thing that we can be doing right now. Let's do it. Because that's what's going to make us money. Because this is a business. And companies want to make money because they want to stay afloat, so they don't become a zombie brand. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's re- super reasonable. I want to see design inspired by great design when we describe an homage. You know, and unfortunately, because I spend a lot of time with my eyes on on Foster, that was one of the first brands that came to mind. It's not unfortunate, but I also don't want this to be, I don't want you guys to feel like we're constantly pitching Foster at you just because there's, There's there's an interested party here. But Foster comes to mind, right? Foster is an homage to a thing. It's an it's an homage watch to this whole spread of watches that existed and did this really specific thing and did it in a cool way and was important to the watch industry at the time. And you recognize that, were inspired by that, liked and appreciated it took those inspirations and then made a design around that idea. Yeah. You know, and, and we, we definitely made some fairly overt homages within our design and some, you know, perhaps less overt homage, you know, the, the stoplight seconds hand, um, that H case, you you know, some of these things are, are pretty overt, you know, the, the asymmetric case is a, is an homage to a, a handful of different watches handful though, um, that are the circle F our secondary logo. That circle F is a, you know, homage to the luminescence markers, um, of, of that era of the, of the, you know, golden age era. So there's, there's a handful of different things that we kind of lump together, which is not to say, I, I don't know. Uh, you, you know, we've talked about another brand in this context before, and, and I think they do a wonderful job with it, but Lauren Lorenzo Ortega and mm-hmm. Laurier, I think, have done the same thing. And at, at one point, I, I really felt like, gosh, Laurier may be the most important company in watches and micro-brand watches. And and, and I, don't, I, I don't not feel that way today, but, you, you know, they really, I think did this idea of homage that you're pitching right now at, at the time when, when Laurier was really sort of busting out, you know, say circa 2019, 2020, I was really impressed by the way they had done the things they were doing, you know, between size and materials and, you know, m- macro and micro design language. They, they really, I think but more than any company I can think of, have captured that idea of an homage to uh, an, an homage to any number of things, but really to a style, to an era, yeah. to a thing in watches that was representative of a huge population of watches and not a single watch. I, I struggle to accept homage to a single watch. If you want to pay homage to a Daytona just get a fucking Daytona and I, I understand that that's yeah. you know nigh on impossible but just making a cheap copy of it or a cheaper version of it I don't think is paying due regard or reverence to that thing now if it was no longer in existence now we're at, now we're in a little bit different game well uh, let's talk about a couple brands i've got two web pages that i've just pulled up i've got the steel dive website i think steel dive is one of the players in this chinese factory brand right now and i've also got island watch Mm -hmm. longislandwatch.com but i you know what we call islander 
We've had Mark on the show. Uh, I think Mark's fantastic. He's got his Islander brand under the Long Island Watch website with the brand name Island Watch. Um, But when you scroll through these two websites, you'll see. So just from the top, I've got a Steel Dive GMT SKX. I've got a Steel Dive... Uh, Air King, perhaps. I've got a Steel Dive Explorer, an Explorer 2. Um, a turtle. A sub, they, a turtle. They, they make no qualms about what they're copying. A Ploprof. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, Ploprof. What on earth? Uh, a, a, a Tuna. So these are watches that are more than evocative. Um, and, and you've, you, you've used some pretty direct language. I'll, I'll let you stick with that. Um, I I don't, I personally, I don't see anything wrong with this, but I know for my own tastes, it's, uh, a little bit too on the nose, right? Islander, same thing. I'm going through and I'm looking at Sarbs. I'm looking at about Islander. SKXs. Is it most of his designs? He fixed the, the monsters. Pro- he fixed the problem. Yeah, he upgraded it in a in a meaningful way that people wanted anyway, or that people were modding to get to, and is now selling it under his label. His this this is an, an interesting phenomena within this conversation because I don't think Steel Dive is producing better than Seiko or Rolex or Omega in their replicas. But they might be giving Seiko a run for their money. Perhaps. In in some categories. I don't think in the... Well, I'd have to look. I haven't looked at their specs. But I'm. they could be. I know Mark has given Seiko a run for their money. Absolutely is. And and so and this this ideology is sort of born out of the modding community. When we got into when we got into watches, you and I, Andrew, I don't remember who it was, but there was a popular modder who was marketing and selling an ultimate SKX. And it was the same guy who was doing upgraded um SNKs too, right? Uh, you know, there's a handful of companies that were all kind of doing this at the same time, but the one I'm thinking of was, it was an SKX. It was just a Seiko SKX that had been pulled and I believe had Sapphire Crystal, had a four-hour movement with hacking and hand winding, had a, a bezel upgrade, I believe, to Sapphire, um, and, and, and a new dial, it, it, you know, a dial with maybe not applied markers, but at least the impression of applied markers. It was basically uh, an SKX with with a lot of Seiko parts. I think the crystal was probably third party. I assume the bezel was third, the, the insert was third party. But they had taken the SKX and turned it into a competitive watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, from tip to tail, it was a, and, and they weren't they weren't inexpensive, right? If I remember right, they were 500 or 600 bucks. Um, which was was a good value for that watch and at the time. And considering the the time and parts that are going into it, that's not a big profit margin. And and, and the dial was the dial was a Seiko dial um, from a different watch, and I can't remember what dial they were using. But you know, it, that I remember the first time I saw that, and I thought, ah, oh, that is a thing that I could get into, right? Because mm-hmm. it was primarily Seiko parts, or or you know, at least you know it still had that Seiko branding. Uh, it felt like a Seiko. It just felt like an SKX, but everything had been turned to eleven. And I thought this is it, this is good, right? At least turned up to eight. Yeah, like that's from, right. from the five that Seiko <laughs> that the that the SKX existed at. That's right. They just bumped the gain a little yeah. bit. Uh, and so you know, I, I think it was that that those the efforts of those people, and and you know, there's so many folks in that in that world, you know, Yobokis and uh, Dagaz and, you know, all these folks that have sort of contributed, Bill Yao, right, mm-hmm. contributed so heavily to that community that made these types of things realistic for people to even try. I, I mean, I think that that's, 
that's the first part, right? At, at some point, someone's got to try, right? right. And I'm going to, yeah, the tools I'm, were there. I'm going to get this watch and I'm going to just take out that <gasps> shitty hard lux crystal and put a sapphire in. Like, easy, right? And it is. It, it's pretty easy. You could do it. Um, I don't want to. But you had these people like in the forums and they were like, look what I did. I took my SNK and I put a double AR blue flame sapphire crystal in it and it looks fucking incredible and everyone's like yeah it does look incredible right you know all of a sudden it's like well if he can do it maybe i can do it and this modding community comes out and then you've got people selling marketing and selling ultimate skx's and from that we get to you know companies like island watch Mm -hmm. and perhaps mercur and steel dive which have a whole different set of capabilities and and even deep blue and Bernhardt. And yeah, take your pick. Right, there's yeah. dozens and hundreds of them. I don't know if I'd put Deep Blue and Bernhardt in the same, but but I but I your point your point's a good one, right? Uh, certainly Deep Blue, right? This mm-hmm. is like, I remember that was the first time I was like, oh, that's an SKX, but it looks better. better. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> in right. every regard. Yeah, I still regret not getting them when they were like ninety bucks on sale. Yeah, I wouldn't wear it, but I I still regret not getting it. They're not 90 bucks. And, you know, I think, Andrew, both you and I have owned an island watch. I still own one. I I know I've shipped mine. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, yeah, you know, you've got this opportunity to take something that's beloved and recognizable and to perhaps make it better or just own it better, right? And that's uh, that's alluring, you, you know. But when we start talking about things like a sub, it's the difference between owning one or not. Mm hmm right? A Janal, you know, perhaps a, a mill sub or, or there's another company silver. I remember that was making a mill sub. And I thought I could, I could get behind this. This is cool. Uh, it's attractive to me in a way, you know, it's a watch I'm realistically never going to buy, um, or even sniff at. And maybe I get one of these silvers. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, but but look at look at other big companies. Squala does a does a straight sub. Sure. I mean the three hundred Steinhardt same. Yeah, and the Squala is not cheap. It's about a thousand bucks. It's on it's eight fifteen right now on Island Watch. I don't like it any better or less than the sub. It is exactly the sub with a different logo. You, you know, when we were getting into watches, I spent a lot of time looking at Steinhardt's and Squala's on mm-hmm. Gnomon, Nom Nom, as Nom you Nom. like to call it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, and, and it was, it, it was, something. in fact, I remember going to this restaurant that's, that's been closed recently, but they, it was a fantastic Szechuan restaurant in town called Kung Fu Bistro. And the guy at the counter had us a, a, a root beer Squala on. And I was like, that's a fucking cool watch, man. And he was like, oh, yeah. Do you know what this is? And I was like, yeah, I know what that is. And it's cool. I like it. Can I see it? And I handled it. And uh, I was like, man, maybe I want to get one of those. Does that make it cooler than a sub? Because it's off brand. It's like the. It, it, well, I don't know. I, there's because it's intriguing because to recognize this, everyone recognizes a sub. But to recognize a squala, there's something cool there. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I a I recognize that this young guy making probably you know twenty seven thousand dollars a year is wearing a dope watch. So I know he's a watch dude. He's thoughtful. I like I know he's like me. I see that guy and mm-hmm. I'm like, you're like me, you know. And I strike up a conversation with him, and he sees my recognition and he understands that I'm like him. And he knows my watch, which means he knows. He knows, right? Yeah. yeah it, 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 I, so I don't know if it's cooler than a sub, perhaps, but definitely that's an opportunity. If he had been, if he had been wearing a sub, I'd have probably assumed it was a replica and moved the fuck on, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's th- th- that's that's kind of the conflict in it because to see a squala is cool. To see a sub is like is not because it's a coin toss chance that it's not even real. Especially on a, you know, 25-year-old kid at the counter at Kung Fu Bistro. I don't know. You, you never know in a restaurant. You're like <laughs> that, that could be their 13th restaurant. Right. Like, you'd just be fucking loaded. But there's something there. Yeah. And that kind of, like, gives me some consternation in this conversation of, I, I feel like replicas 
and counterfeits are wrong. I don't like them. Well, let's let's be let's be clear. Replicas and counterfeits are specific terms, yes. right? Those are terms that mean watches that have been produced to pass as the real thing. And 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 I think that there's a lot of so I've spent some time reading replica forums and the way people talk about this stuff. And I think that there is a popular culture in the replica forum that suggests you you need to own it, own the fact that this is a replica. And if some you talk to someone, you need to just say this is a replica. Don't try to pass this off as the real thing. Well, I because somebody else already did. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many people that are buying replicas ascribe to that. But I do know that that's a part of that culture. All that to say, it does not change the fact that a replica watch is being made explicitly to pass off as the real thing. And so when we talk about this world, there's replicas. Yeah. And that's different than everything else we're talking about. And we're probably not going to say a lot more about replicas at this point. Correct. Because that's not... That's yeah. not what we're talking about. Correct. But this and 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 and, and, and hold, hold on, Andrew. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm you sorry. You should be. I'm sorry. Thank you. I accept. I'm just feeling so Canadian right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, look, it, I don't judge. I don't. I don't judge anybody. Right. Um, do do what you got to do. Uh, I I wouldn't buy a replica, and I I think you're probably the same in that. But uh, no no judgment, you guys. I, I would I would buy a bad replica. Like I would buy a Seamaster with a Rolex logo. Yeah, because that's funny. I would buy that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. But generally speaking, not something I'm into at all. But but also no judgment. Whatever, you guys. Whatever. I'm more I judgy. I'm actually I'd be really excited to wear that one. I'm personally more judgy about a steel dive than I am about a replica. I don't know why. I can't justify it as I sit here. I don't know why. What's the difference between a steel dive and a squala? Perhaps none. Perhaps none. Or any of the other sub. I don't know if copies even an appropriate term. Sub likenesses. You, you know, I, I think... I think there is some sort of provenance to Squala or Steinhardt that doesn't exist in Steel Dive or maybe Mercure. But as I say that, I feel like I've got to acknowledge the possibility that I'm just being xenophobic. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to I'm going to reserve my. (laughs) But I mean, I, until I've had a chance to think about it, because maybe a maybe terrible thought. You're you're tolerating it because Squala has a little bit more history and original designs of their own. Is it? Maybe that's what makes it acceptable. Is that it's a brand that has a design team that's not just making. <laughs> what are we going to call it? Copy is the only thing that I can come up with. Yeah. And I don't think it's derogatory. I think it just is. I think it's just a, an objective thing. Yeah. Maybe we call it like a capital H homage. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and so all that to say, you know, I don't, I've never bought a Squala or, or a Steinhardt. Although my collecting tendencies at one point had driven me in that direction, by the time I was spending that much money on watches, my taste moved on. And, and I know when I realized it. I bought the 1972 Dan Henry. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that watch. It was a cool alarm function. It had a cool alarm function. I mean, it was just, a, and it was good looking and it wore really well. And I loved it. It was kind of, at the time I bought that watch, it was kind of an expensive purchase for me. I think it was 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. And. I was like, dude, I was like, dude, this is dope. Uh, And I wore the shit out of it. Um, And and eventually I was like, you know what? This isn't it for me. 
this is not going to be a watch that, and I sold it. It was like the first watch I think I ever sold. Yeah, because like, it wasn't the thing. I was like, this isn't the thing, and I don't want it. And, and so my personal tastes, it, that was the point when I realized, like, okay, now theoretically I'm in that place where I might consider spending 550 on a on a Squala or a, or a Steinhardt perhaps. Mm-hmm. I, I probably would have tended towards Steinhardt over Squala. But by then, my tastes had evolved to the point where I was like, I just knew that wasn't going to be a watch that I was into. And so I I just, I kind of like missed it, right? I was spending 300, 400 bucks on a watch right at the time when I was, you know, I was starting to, you know, jump up into the 400, 500, right at the same time as my tastes had evolved beyond getting the thing that... And so I don't I don't know, Andrew. I think perhaps a company like Steel Diver Mercure is more accessible to the entry level collector. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it makes more sense. Maybe you can buy that watch. You, you know, there's a famous, I'll call him famous. There is a notorious, perhaps, uh watch you seek commenter, Houston Real. Houston, I think it's Houston underscore real or whatever. He's a I think he's a real estate guy from Houston. Probably, yeah. That yeah. would be my my guess. And uh, I, this fella is, he hangs out in F71. I don't actually, I haven't been on Watch to Seek long enough to know if he's still a player over there or not. But he was posting very frequently at the at my peak Watch You Seek time. And, you, you know, he was argumentative sometimes about like, why would you get this thing when you could get this Chinese mushroom brand for less and it's one-to-one spec'd and it's just a better watch. And uh, I respected him because he was sort of knew what he was about and mm-hmm. kind of knew what he was saying. But it, it, it occurred pay, to me. Don't pay for the label. Yeah, right, right. It occurred to me at that time like, oh, there's a division here, right? There's a division between what people value. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember at the time not talking about those conversations directly, but certainly talking about them indirectly, you know, seeing the way this person, a real human, I assume was interacting with watches kind of taught me a lot about what I value because I understood pretty early that I valued watches differently than this fellow and exploring that, you know, whether purposefully or not, kind of taught me a lot like oh no the, I do, I'm not attracted to that I don't want that watch that you're saying is good but but maybe it's important for me to figure out why M- maybe I need to understand why and I'm not sure because he's not wrong right if, he's if not you, wrong if you're, you're right. looking for bang for your buck most Chinese mushroom brands are going to provide a really good bang for your buck in almost any design that already exists. Can we call them factory brands? I feel better about factory brands. I'm okay with that. Let's let's do factory brands. These factory brands are going to give you a really good sub $1,000 watch. Because they're the folks that are, I mean. Because they're the people that are doing it already in any way. That's right. (laughs) These are actually the people that are probably making most of the sub $1,000 watches that you can buy today. And for some of the better ones, you're going to be getting watches that cases from a lot of Swiss brands are coming out of their same factory, right? That, that this is a thing the the Chinese manufacturing industry is watches. Period. Yeah. And we're going to come back to this topic because we we want to talk about what China means to watches. And I think we've got a few episodes coming up. Maybe mm-hmm. perhaps next week we're going to touch on a little bit. But we're going to revisit what China means to watches. And we're going to try to do so meaningfully. So so we're, we're building it out. It's going to take us a couple of weeks to, to frame that's appropriately. Right. That's right. Because China's a th- much bigger thing in watches than I think anyone is ready to give it credit for. Give her credit for? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question that you've... Him? Them? I... China's not plural. 
Well, if you, it depends on who you ask, right? If you ask a Taiwanese person. <laughs> yes. So, uh, last thing that I would like to talk about, and, and I don't know if we have to fully opine on it, but within this context of homages and copies and reissues, which we didn't really even get to, I don't know how we got here this quickly. Um, there's a brand specifically that I want to talk about, and it's it's a brand that kind of causes me some confusion. Because I don't know how to feel. Because I simultaneously love it, and I'm kind of cringy about it. My mind's telling me no, but my body. Uh, Uncle Seiko. Yeah. And I don't know that we've talked about this before. Well, I know we, we have we have privately, absolutely. I don't know that we've recorded a conversation about this before. Um, <clears throat> Uncle Seiko does some really good stuff. Uh, Uncle Straps, let's let's be clear. Uncle Straps is it Uncle Straps now? Was that the it, did the? It, yes. Oh, it is Uncle Straps. So now. several months ago, without much pomp or circumstance, <laughs> the the name of the uncle was changed from Uncle Seiko to Uncle Straps. We can only surmise as to the background there. Yeah, a corporate cease and desist letter was delivered probably by... One one has to imagine. One has to imagine. So (laughs) he signed for it and then promptly changed his name. I don't think that's derogatory. I think that's just... That's just is. I will note that... So... Uh, uh, Uncle Seiko, uh, the uh, uncle, is Thai, right? Uh, so, uh, no, no, that's di- that's different. Uh, Uncle Seiko is a brand owner, and this guy's been in the game for a billion years. He's since the game began. He's been making really cool products for ages now. We've asked him on the show, and he's politely declined, or perhaps politely punted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that maybe has something to do, you know, he's not on a lot of podcasts. I think he's been on a handful, uh, but it's not something he's doing a lot. I, I do think he's a pastor in his personal life. And I suspect that there's reasonable concerns about going on a irreverent podcast such as ours. <laughs> if, if you're in that position, that's fine. Uh, he's been polite and not rude to us. In any event, he's been making fantastic products. For I have several of his bracelets. M- yes, yeah, same. Right. Um, my Z1, the my SKX, which is still in regular rotation, has an Uncle Seiko Z199. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he does fantastic stuff. In fact, when he issued his Hollow and Link Z199s, I was inspired, homage, as as it will to incorporate some of that design language into my watch, into the Foster. Um, I, I owe as much of that to Uncle Seiko as I do to any other actual Seiko product that exists. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, he's a, a really cool guy. He's doing really cool products, but he made a couple of decisions in the last handful of years that I think were, and, and maybe it's just one, maybe it's just one. Maybe 18 months ago now, Uncle Seiko released a dial, uh, a Sarb, a salmon colored Mm -hmm. Sarb dial, which was Seiko branded. It was a Sarb dial, but salmon. And there was one notable difference, I think, which is at the six o'clock, there is the the word Uncle Seiko, uh, the words Uncle Seiko, I believe. So you could, you could... A, in passing, see it as a Seiko dial, but also verify it wasn't trying to pass itself off as the real thing all the way, right? At the, at the very six o'clock, though. It's not, it wasn't like... A very small print. It, right, it's the, it's in the Swiss-made... That's right. ...minute ring of yeah. the dial. Very, very small text. So in passing, like, oh, that's cool. Um, and that, for for whatever reason... That decision, I think, 
kind of irked people. I think it felt like a, a step too far. If I had to prognosticate, extrapolate, interpolate, I'm not sure mathematically speaking, which is the right phrase. Uh, I, I might say that that decision led that would be my guess too yeah. to the name change perhaps you, you know it was just i think everybody everybody who saw that realized like oh this is different this is different this is bigger this is different than creating secondary market parts it's different than making something better or, or recreating an old Omega or a Seiko bracelet. Yeah, it's, it's using somebody else's branding and then signing it. Like, I can't go do a Banksy mural on a wall and put my name at the bottom. Uh, you, well, you could. There's a lot of people that do, actually, and they make a lot of money. But you shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't. This is a weird choice. For somebody who'd been really calculated and really successful and doing really cool stuff up to this point, I love the style. I didn't really like that he had also been stockpiling SARBs <laughs> in a SARB shortage point, but that was a whole other yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, but that's what he did. He He stockpiled SARBs and then made a new dial with Seiko branding and, and his own and then sold them and not much of a markup. No, it, it felt like the price was reasonable. There weren't very many of these things. I don't, I, if I had to guess it was in the two digits total, maybe, maybe low three digits total mm -hmm. of these things. Um, but yeah, no, this was an event. I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm, it's important for me to take a position on it. I will say it definitely piqued my whatever that, that like, hmm, hmm. What am I feeling right now? Yeah, that's right. It, yeah. it piqued that. Because um, it was unique to the modding and homage. It was unique to this environment of changing watches because modding watches is, I think, as much a part of the watch industry as as anything else. Yeah. Watch modding is huge. But up and to watch that modding has inspired so many of our beloveds, right? These small brands, these breakout brands, so many of them began by watch modding. Like mm -hmm. I'm gonna make this better, different. I'm I, I want to make the watch that I want to have. But up to that point we've seen, you know, Pete and Yoboki's, you know, we've seen these guys recreating these dials, but but being very deliberate not to use corporate branding, right? Mm -hmm. to, you know, this is a Omega Seamaster 300 dial, but it says Yoboki's on it, right? It doesn't yeah. say Omega. Or it says nothing. <laughs> That's right. It doesn't, most importantly, it doesn't say Omega on it. It doesn't say Seiko on it because it's not theirs. And, and this was the yeah. first time I can remember seeing one of these people kind of breach that levy. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, it was a thing. I feel like he would want his branding on it. Yeah. He deserves the credit that he did it better. He did it cooler and he gave them credit and took. Mm. And, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Hey, look, you guys at home, I'm talking to you, Susie and Joey and Bobby. Uh, what do you think about this? Reach out to us. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Um, not you, Josh. I don't want to have a conversation with you. Or Mike. I'm just joking. I do want to have a conversation with Definitely you Definitely well. not Mike. But mostly Susie, Joey, and Bobby. Uh, yeah, what do you think of this? Because it is, uh, it's a topic that I, that I think everybody was a little reticent about. Because this is a beloved brand. This is a beloved fellow in the industry. You know, someone I don't want to dislike, but I'm also confused. Uh, I'm confused. I've got some questions about it. So, yeah. 
And now, now he's Uncle Straps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He got a C and D probably the same week of the release. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. Well, he did two drops, I think, on that. Yeah, so. he did an ice blue. He, he's done some interesting mods that include Seiko branding, and that's a strange thing. I'm curious about it because it's different, right? He, he he's not he's not making a replica. He's not making a counterfeit. But he's just shot. Just like, like, where do we draw? I think the question yeah. becomes, where do we draw the line? Well, I think we draw the line at where a C and D is effective. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be real here. Uh, when when you, you start violating IP law, that's that's the line. Andrew, I don't think we've solved any of the world's problems tonight, but I do think we've had an interesting conversation. Is there anything you would like to add to this before we hustle this along? No. Other things, what you got? <laughs> Andrew, what have you just put in front of me? I, I put my other thing in front of you. So I was... Uh, a little drunk the other night and uh, <laughs> watching Hot Ones. Is this going to hurt me? It, it, I mean, it depends on how much you decide to do. Is, is that going to hurt me? No. It's hot. So I was a little drunk the other night. I was watching Hot Ones and I was watching them do the last dab and I was like, I'm going to get the last dab. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a go. And my intent for tonight's other things, I was going to get... Six wings. I just put a reasonable, that's a reasonable last dab on a spoon. Mm -hmm. I just put a last dab on a spoon and took it to the face. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. It's I a, instantly, this I can feel you're, you're the gonna get sweat glands. Yep, open it up. There's some good flavor to it. It's really tasty. It's, it's very it's a, hot. It's a little bit uh, like, hmm. It's a little bit more acidic than I want. I want a little bit more balance to it. But my intent was to get oh, six wings. Oh, I was wings. thinking it was not acidic enough. I was thinking oh, I could use just a little bit more acidity. Interesting. It's a little earthy. It is earthy. So my other thing for this week is the last dab as uh, created by Heatonist. Mm -hmm. It's 30 bucks on Amazon for a... This is a five ounce bottle, five ounce bottle. Yep. This is a really good wing sauce. It's good. Yeah. You know this what? It's really good wing sauce. And what I, what I also came to realize is that I am just blown away by the people who fully melt down eating that. And in feeling that way, having watched so many people, destroyed by the last dab i realize that i'm actually the one with the problem that they're the normal people this is a phenomenal wing sauce it's super spicy very spicy so i long got it. burn right full full mouth burn you just took a dab of it so i want to hear your so i put i don't know what would you say that was a half teaspoon if yeah I, maybe a quarter teaspoon quarter to a half a teaspoon on a spoon i took it to the face uh, I put it, I turned it upside down, put it on my tongue and swish or anything, but I ate it from there. I've got heat all around my lips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gets your lips. Even if it doesn't touch them, it's interesting. My head instantly, all of the sweat glands on my head instantly activated. I felt them like mm -hmm. in sequence. I can feel it in my chest now, but I, it's not overwhelming. No, like it, I can it, totally, yeah. I could totally continue uh very hot but good hot yes not the type of hot that i'm like fuck my life but with that amount of heat i want a little bit more flavor a little bit more flavor yeah there wasn't quite enough flavor there for just me just a touch more flavor yeah which is why i say i want a little bit more citrus or maybe just something just i put enough on the spoon that i would get the full effect of the flavor and there's not a ton of flavor there there's just not quite enough there's good flavor this is a hot first Flavor second. This is a, a little bit of a novelty sauce, which I sort of expected. For me, it's still Chimay. Chimay is still my my number one super hot Whoop. sauce. Wh which Chimay? So Chimay Red. Yeah, Chimay Red is the is the money. That's the the yellow and the black are really good. The black. It's been is a, a minute little, since we talked about hot sauce on the show. It has been. The black's a little sweeter than I want, but the red is 
money. I'm still a pretty big fan of the pineapple. Oh, yeah. Who makes pineapple? That's my go-to. Pucker butt was super good. The pineapple is... So I've got the pucker butt Reaper X, but it's not tasty enough. Oh, really? I loved that. Pineapple by Pex Peppers. That is my jam, and it is very hot. My plan for tonight was to have six wings. I was going to tell Sam to throw them in the oven. Well, just we didn't happen. It just, I, I couldn't make it happen because also I think you guys probably appreciate not listening to us. Yeah, you, don't want, you don't want that. Uh, on air. Um, but that's my other thing. This is a good wing sauce. It did. Now, I, I will say, I've also had De Bomb, which was for the first couple seasons, was their number 10. And it's not good. No, it's terrible. It's really bad. It, it doesn't taste good. It's not spicy. It's just spicy with actual bad flavor. I think the bomb is spicier than this. Or it's, it hurts it, worse. It's object- yes, it's objectively not spicier. But it hurts worse. It hurts worse. It tastes worse. Tastes terrible. Uh, the bomb tastes terrible. It's super bad. But if you're looking for like a good novelty hot wing sauce to throw in your fridge and just and break one out every once in a while, this is it. This is going to be my like I want some fucking hot wings right now. Don't sleep on pineapple either. No, 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 definitely don't. I, I, although, and, and this is coming, I, I really like pineapple. I'm not a huge fan of pineapple flavor. Mm. And it does have that. And it's I really still, bright. I yeah. do still like pineapple. But the last app, we've, we've done it. We've tried it. Sean Evans, if you'd like to talk to us, we're here and we're ready. We're ready to be. We're ready for our. And we will. We'll make it through all ten wings. Will be a boring interview because we're not interesting. We're not. We're not attractive. Definitely not. And the wings will not hurt You're us. You're pretty attractive, and you like a Sean Evans doppelganger. I've I've been told by multiple people that Sean Evans and I look very much alike. I think I'm older than Sean Evans, so I think he looks like me. I do you think? I bet you guys are the same age. I bet you're like exactly the same age or if or he might be a year older than you. Uh, Andrew, I've got another thing. Do me. This is so I'm in that moment where I've just had the hot sauce. Oh, he's actually he's he's a little bit older than me. He's 37. There we go. I, I, I'm in that moment. I'm in that moment where the music plays on like. It, oh, yeah. This it, is a little spicy. It, ha- it hangs on right in the back of your tongue. It just holds. It that, did hold. That's going to hold for... I've got a whole head heat. Is That's yeah. what I'm experiencing right now. Yeah. Whole head heat. That's a, that's a good wing. This is like a dozen wings and your, and your toast kind of amount. It's been a while. It's since, portion control. It's been a while since we've done <laughs> another thing that was something we didn't like. Mm. It has been. I've got another thing that I didn't like. Are you going to say the last dab? That's a... No. <laughs> that, that would be a really interesting episode. So a few years ago, uh, let me get the exact year. I thought I had it, and then I was like second guessing myself. So 2021, big big year in movies. 2021 was a big year in movies. It was sort mm-hmm. of the like post COVID movie. You know, nothing. We're still not really going to the theater. Blah blah blah. But we're hoping everyone. Everything's post COVID, though. It's just smack dab in the middle. There was a movie that came out that year that got tons of international award and Oscar buzz with a, a fantastic cast a fantastic cast so let me just let me just read off a few of these people because geez benedict cumberbatch jesse plemons kirsten dunst oh okay so this movie was written by jane campion directed by jane campion academy award for best directing academy award for best picture um Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture, and on and on. Look, this movie was very highly praised. It's called Power of the Dog. It's a Western. Um, Beautiful, beautiful movie. Really good acting. Reasonably emotionally deep. Good emotional depth to this movie. Uh... I was home alone this last weekend. 
And I just kind of took a flyer. I was like, I don't need to go to bed for a couple of hours. This movie is a couple of hours. Let me just, this movie I've never watched. Let me watch it for free. So I turned it on, put my phone down, sat down, watched this movie. This is the most painfully boring movie I have ever seen in my life. And I've watched a lot of boring movies. I loved this movie. I even liked (laughs) some boring movies. I think this movie was the most... There are, in the entire movie, two things that happen. And the first one is totally nothing. There, there are two events in the entire movie, and the first one is like, when you really think about it, it's like, I mean, I don't have to worry about spoilers at this point, right? So you've got this entire movie. One, You, you don't see any of the things that happen. There's a wedding. You don't get to see it. You get to see Benedict Cumberbatch being mean to Kirsten Dunst about playing the piano. I really liked this movie. And then, <laughs> and then you get to see the ending, which I won't spoil just because it's it's actually kind of the most important part of the movie. But the, the second thing that happens is like, okay, that was interesting. But it happens two fucking hours in. I have never seen a movie where so little happened. I, I love it. It was beautiful. <laughs> the acting was phenomenal. And it was still so fucking it, boring, that's Andrew. What made, it's because it was real. No, I, that was that was what. No, oh. it wasn't real. It was boring. Funny story about this movie: for the first like thirty minutes, I really thought that Jesse Plemons was Jim Gaffigan. I was like, "Why is Jim Gaffigan in this movie?" <laughs> and Jesse Plemons is phenomenal. And why does he like? What is happening? You know, him and Chris and Dunst are married in real life. I do. Which is confusing. Um, it's confusing as putting a Seiko brand on your own shit. Have you watched this Elizabeth Olsen? <laughs> yeah, anyway. Anyway, I'll move on. Uh, I thought this movie... I, I really thought he was Jim Gaffigan. No. I, it, he, <laughs> my experience was... So I, here I am about 45 minutes in. And I'm like, fuck me. I really hope something happens. And I was, I was conflicted. Because I was like, this is going to start to be good. Because everything is so good. The, the screenwriting is really good. The acting is really good. Like the emotional tension from scene to scene was really good. The scenes were just stunning. They're beautiful. I was like, this is going to get good. It was good. But nothing fucking happened. Andrew, nothing it, happened the whole movie. No, and you were totally involved in it no i wasn't i was bored out of my mind no i mean it's an it's an award winner right most award-winning movies aren't like exciting i am prepared to say that this is the most overrated movie i have ever seen avatar no avatar (laughs) is fantastic because it's engaging and really good this nothing fucking happened no, nothing happens. No, it was like watching. Uh, and then, and then the worst part was you would like go from one scene to the next, and you'd realize they'd tell you, "Oh, a bunch of shit just happened." Why the fuck didn't you show me? It was like watching uh, what was that oil boom movie with uh, Daniel? Day-Lewis. There will be blood, there which will is be blood, which is one of the greatest movies ever made. So boring. I I feel like, so I mentally, as I was watching this, compared it because they're similar in a lot of ways. Very quiet, very sort of serene, but also dark. I think there will be blood. Did that thing perfectly, and I think Power of the Dog totally fell on its face i no, it didn't i got the awards i love there will be blood i think it's one of my favorite movies of all time power of the dog not so so i and, will and never watch the, either of those movies again here is the difference there will be blood the emotional tension builds and is resolved in a way you can see it also the bowling alley scene is just at the so end hardcore. of There Will Be Blood is oh. perhaps my favorite. So 
It was real. I think a dude died there. <laughs> a, my favorite monologue of all time. I drink your milkshake. Oh my gosh. Holy shit. And then the bowling pit. Yeah. Look. Because Daniel Day-Lewis is a crazy person. Those two movies do not compare because in their the, they're both blood, equally boring westerns. You saw the shit? That's fair. And in Power of the Dog, they just alluded to the shit. Like, show me the shit. In, in fairness, when you said Power of the Dog, I thought you were talking about the dog movie that came out a couple of years ago. Marley and Me? No, Love no, it. Not that one. There was Love another, it. There was another dog movie. Marley and Me. I looked it up. I saw it. And I was like, oh, I remember this movie. <laughs> I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I will not watch it again. Andrew, an hour and five minutes in. Anything you want to add? I'll drink your milkshake. Hey, you guys, I want to thank you once again for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast, where we just do what we do. We drink beer and talk about watches a little bit and, and also movies. Uh, look, check us out on our website, watchclicker.com. That's where we post every single episode of this podcast, but also articles, reviews, and, and reasonably cool shit. Watchclicker.com. You can also check us out on the socials at watchclicker or at 40 and 20 underscore watchclicker. And most importantly, if you want to support us, and we really, really, we hope you do, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look, this, this all costs money. Microphones, expensive. Hardware, expensive. Software, expensive. We do this for basically free, and we are so thankful for those of you who have supported us on Patreon. And if not, go check it out. It doesn't cost a lot. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.